know, let's just do a little, I guess, warming up. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nailed it, Chris. Dang, that was so good. I hope Mike got that on the air. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, wow. Actually, yeah, this is being recorded, not broadcast live, I hope. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it I is being recorded. I will definitely say things you probably don't want to. I, Mike, Mike's got a sign that says, I keep it all. <laughs> he keeps all of the footage. made it all the way to episode four and we're so glad you're here and if you like what you've listened to so far make sure to like and subscribe give us five star rating on itunes we really appreciate it but this is episode four of keep wake aloud the podcast and as always we are produced by oni chan productions and rogue media and we're also sponsored in part by the shop located at 2001 franklin avenue adjacent to downtown waco the thing that i love about the shop is is there are a lot of different companies here that are all using one spot together. We have Waco Axe Company, Waco Pedal Tours, Oni's Hand Productions, this recording studio right here. We're all here under one building and you can be too. If you're looking to grow your business and you need a spot, the cool thing is, is you get that 2001 Franklin Avenue address. So you can say that your office is adjacent to downtown Waco as well. So come out and hang out with us. And if you are interested, come and see us. So what was the code for that safe again? Four. Okay. Just so All right, hey, knows. good luck, hackers. All right, so we are sitting here with Waco music legend Chris Moyen from Texas Music Cafe. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Katie. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, I don't we're know really about excited. legend, legendary, <laughs> legend or legendary, but thank you for the introduction. Maybe a way of calling you old, though. I think it is. Oh man, don't take, she does that don't all put the words time in my me. mouth. <laughs> no, uh, you have been a staple in the Waco music scene, and as uh, Keep Waco Loud has you know learned about the rich history of Waco and the entertainment scene, you are a constant. And we'll get into, you know, all the stuff that you've done in a little bit later, but why don't you kind of summarize for everybody what you do and how you got started in the music scene and maybe even how you started Texas Music Cafe. Okay. That's probably longer than we have. <laughs> like you said, I'm really old, but I mean, I've been involved in music since I was 10 years old. I'm 50 this year. I've been involved in some aspect musically ever since I was about 10. Uh, my dad was a barbershop quartet singer, so we learned about singing harmonies. Did not know that. Uh, yeah, my dad's uh, up until about a year ago was still performing and making more money than I do. Wow. Uh, he's been singing for, I think the combined, his four-piece group probably has like 250 years experience between them or something ridiculous. Wow. But yeah, we grew up listening to barbershop harmonies. My older brothers, I have two older brothers. Everybody thought it was cute when we sang together as kids. And we used to, back on real reel tapes and stuff, we used to make our own shows. We used to make shows like podcasts. The Ermoyan 3? <laughs> no, it was Mishu Bishu and Squishu, actually. Oh my gosh, that's what? way better. Yeah, it was a circus show. How are you and not uh, like so we did kid that. famous? I'd love to find those tapes. I don't know where they're at. But anyway, we were just kids just messing around and liked hearing our own voices. And one thing led to another. So, you know, fast forward 40 years later and here's where we're at now. So, but yeah, we sang. Uh, and then my dad wanted us to be like the Osmonds. Now, I know you think of Donnie. If those of you that are even old enough to remember Donnie and Marie Osmond, <laughs> yep. they had a show, yeah. a big yeah, show yeah. on TV. It was like a big thing. Saturday night had millions of viewers, but they grew up in a barbershop quartet 
Mormon family, and they were they were extremely talented. And uh, my dad, I think, had hoped we would become that. And much to his dismay, we became more like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> but, <laughs> Which is um, not a bad thing either. Yeah, I mean, we did three-part harmonies and original songwriting is what my brothers and I did. We went by the Annoy Moyan Brothers, the Destroy Moyan Brothers. But we, but we played... Oh, we still do a couple times a year, but I played with them for a long time. Went to MCC on a on a vocal scholarship. Joined a bunch of bands while I was out there. Uh, met a bunch of great guys. Played in a group called Fountain People, which was a Baylor-based band. One of the guys that's in that is Greg Vanderpool. He's just wrote a song for Robert Plant this last year on his last record. Wowzer. Met a lot of cool people through music along the way, but I feel fortunate and blessed to have been able to pursue something that I love doing. I started out as a musician and actually what I'm really focused on now is becoming a musician again. I stepped aside. I put aside my own musical aspirations to help other musicians because Waco has always been a rich hotbed. There's always been great musicians here way before I was here. There were some people that are dead and gone now, lots of folks, and I won't name all of them, but they were playing music in Waco and performing and having amazing careers that nobody knew about for years and years. And I decided that more than having a another mediocre musician, which I mean, I was okay, but they needed, the musicians needed help as far as having other people find out about them. So that's what launched a CD project, which later became the TV show, which is still going 22 years later in a different, you know, it changes all the time. So Texas Music Cafe started out as a CD project. A compilation CD, yeah. Wow. Uh, One of the groups that was on that, there were 17 local bands that were on a compilation CD called the Various Artists Project. And what I, I had was a recording studio and I had a lot of musicians that would just hang around and I was like, don't you guys have anything to do? You know, you got all this time on your hands. So I recorded like three songs each for free from every musician in Waco that was willing to participate. Wow. And then out of those three, I let them pick what song they wanted to use. And then we put that on a disc. I bought about $5,000 worth of advertising. And basically Clear Channel Radio bought all the radio stations and no one could get airplay. Um, So I had all these musicians that I helped make great CDs and they couldn't get airplay. So we put uh, this compilation disc together and basically bought airtime and using the power of the dollar got us on the air. And the Bear officially sponsored it and they put it out. They aired it quite a lot. Uh, One of the guys that was on that was T. Aguilar. Yeah. uh, Back in his... Love T. Another Waco legend. Yeah, Yeah, but his, uh, his group was called Sandcastle at the time. And he came in, he was probably 17 years old, 16, 17 years old. They were nervous as could be. I was to them. I was the old old man TV producer even back then. And I was <laughs> twenty twenty two maybe at the oh, time. So old. But we had produced probably a hundred, maybe a hundred records out of my studio here in Waco. Uh, you know, I just pulled from the talent of those people that I had worked with. Oh, like everything, Tejano groups and everything, country guys, rock guys, blues guys, everything, and put them all on this one disc and used the leverage the power. Uh, And this is something that Keep Wake Aloud has done really well at, is leveraging the power of all these other musicians and their fan bases to collaborate and work together. And that's what that CD did, is pulled everybody together, got airplay. And uh, the problem was we just, we didn't do a lot of them because I was out of money at that point. You know, (laughs) we did okay. I mean, I I probably made, I might've made my money back on the CD. It was a good learning experience. I was working in television at the time and rolled that, all that knowledge back into the TV show, which was kind of the same thing, the first one that we made. Wow, that's 
That's awesome. It's quite a foundation. That's that's an amazing story, and and that kind of helps build the foundation for how Texas Music Cafe came around. And and you've had some. I mean, the using the word legend in this case is not even probably not even doing some of these people justice. I mean, you've had some big names on your show: Willie Nelson, Marin Morris. Some. Um, what are some of your most famous guests that you've had? And I, I tried to never lend too much credibility to fame because it really was always about the music. And one of the one of my favorite like guys. He's he's dead now. He actually died a couple years ago. A guy named Danny Thomas. He was a garbage man in San Antonio. And every song the guy wrote would bring you to tears. He was one of the most amazing songwriters I had ever heard. And I I think I met him in a park in Kerrville, Texas, playing guitar by himself. (laughs) And found this guy and put him on the show. And he got, for the first time, national television airplay. And Ah. uh, all of a sudden, he got... Some recognition, sold some CDs, built his following, built up. This guy would never be famous in a million years. He was, he was pop, you know, this pop marked face and he was a pop belly and he, you know, rode on a garbage truck and I don't know. He just, he would never be famous in any other realm, but there's a lot of people that still probably know him and own his CD to this day. And now he's dead and gone. I mean, part of what musicians do and artists in general is try to survive through whatever their medium is. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the cool things about music, especially when you get something like tangible, like a CD or a record, you get to put something out, you get to create this thing and it gets to live on. All the videos that you've done with Texas Music Cafe, I mean, you've created this like historical archive of, you know, 21 years plus of all this footage and these these acts, you know, before people got famous, after stories like that one. I mean, you get to kind of create this this whole story of Texas <laughs> yeah, music. Like a, a pretty impressive narrative. Thanks. Really. The, I think growing up, part of that recording with my brothers and all that, I didn't want to be a fireman. I didn't want to be a policeman like those little kids. <laughs> I didn't even really care to be a performing musician, to be honest. I kind of thought it'd be cool to be like Eddie Van Halen's guitar tech, but he's so good at it, he didn't need one. So well, I'm, I'm getting an image of you as a child playing like Mr. Producer. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like how kids Mr. play Producer school. <laughs> you know, I, I think that every person has built-in talents and things that they're good at naturally. They're God given gifts or talents or whatever it is that you're you're given. And I think people have a leaning towards those for a reason. And the problem is we, most of us have to do jobs that have nothing to do with them just to survive or make a living. Exactly. But all that stuff has come very natural to me. When I look at it, I look at a TV screen and I can tell you what's wrong with the picture. If it's, if it's not composed right, if it, if the lighting is off, if the colors aren't right or they're not pleasing and all that stuff has just come natural. Maybe it's, I grew up in a media generation. I remember when t- color TV, we got our first color TV set. So maybe it's, it was that immersion into like the, the changeover from black and white to color to going, oh, wow, like, and I don't know. But that, that part of it has always come easy to me. It's never been something I had to work at. That's um, awesome. My, if I have any talent, uh, it's only in the ability to recognize talent in other people like you guys, oh, like the wow. musicians in Waco. means a lot. <laughs> you know, it's true. I mean, I, I really... I like, every, I really love people and I love everybody. And the, one of one of the reasons why is because I always, I don't look for negatives in people. I always look for what is it about them that I enjoy? What can I immediately cling to in that person that I go, that's amazing. Both of you guys, not many people make me laugh. And both of you are just <laughs> hilarious to me. I, it, <laughs> Katie's voice. I just enjoy you guys company and I see why people are drawn to you and what you're doing. Well, thank and, you so well, much. The feeling is mutual, sir. Um, and just for the listeners out there who don't know who Pamplemousse is, she is our Pembroke Welsh Corgi. She's the worst. She is the worst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's also the unofficial mascot of Keep Wake Alive. Well, um, <laughs> I want to touch back on that that idea of that transition from uh, black and white to color. Mm-hmm. 
since you've been doing Texas Music Cafe for so long, for 20 years, you've had to endure the transition of technology. Oh my God. Like, which is... Records to CDs. CDs well, to I mean, yeah, within that time frame, all those things. But as, you know, with, just within the past five years, Absolutely. it's, it's uh, been... I've learned not to chase it because it's sure. an unending thing. You, you do what you can with what you got. That's, yeah. that's the best that's thing fair. to do. And I actually, I actually prefer to be just on the backside of that curve because I was there when the beta VHS thing came out. You know, I don't know if you know the story. Who, most who people could forget? Are. Oh, some of them are old enough to remember, but <laughs> beta, beta tapes and VHS tapes came out about the same time. Beta tapes were clearly a better medium and worked better. The problem, I mean, the way they did it, though, is they sold the license to use VHS tapes to everybody. So it was prolific. And so learn along the way of how how those things work but um the same thing happened with blu-ray and hd didn't it yeah HD and players blu-ray players you know our, <laughs> our archive i'm still probably will forever be transferring tapes of some kind when we started recording video it was on a two inch reel mm-hmm. uh, a tape that was yeah. a, a you know a big reel of oh, tape yeah. videotape on a reel and it's like uh, on a machine that was the size of a washing machine <laughs> and when i started video editing it was actually analog tapes and i don't know it's yeah it's it's been a nightmare trying to keep up with that and even find <laughs> machines that will play back so half the rap i recorded that's so. fair i mean what what are you seeing right now what what, what are you standing back and looking at right now oh, to- i mean 8k you know 8k video the problem is the yeah. computer won't even play back the files because they're so huge especially <laughs> when you're doing multi-camera stuff like we do with like eight layers of video there's no machine that'll play it. i mean you can upgrade to the video but then you gotta upgrade everything else in the chain yep. to make it work so it's like nightmare i know this is like completely not accurate but i'm picturing chris like you know how the library when you were like in elementary school and middle school and they had those it was like to look at old newspapers oh, so this really? weird the yeah, yeah that's yeah. it yeah. i'm just picturing you doing that with like old like willie nelson <laughs> I do, yeah. I've, I've got, I do have, the first time we recorded Willie was at, I actually went to the Kerrville Folk Festival. Our Texas Music Cafe was the first group they ever let videotape this sacred music festival. And the guy who wow. started it, he said, I feel like you guys have a reverence about it that I've never seen before. And I will let you come in and videotape my festival that I created, which is now, I think it's probably the oldest longest running music festival in the country. Yeah, I think that's right. Anyway, we came in and videotaped that. And at the same time, I met a gal that does the old Settlers Fest in Austin. Oh, I hear that's amazing. Yeah, the gal, Kathleen Hudson, she started it and she said, how'd you like to come to our private Willie party? And I was like, (laughs) what? Yeah, so we went, it was a Knights of Columbus Hall in Kerrville and it probably had 200 people at it. And that was the first time we got to work with Willie. And that was in 97. So wow. 1997. Back in uh, 68. <laughs> that's uh, but yeah, that's a an, great impression, man. Yeah, that's, a, that's me doing an impression of myself in another 10 years. But, uh, God, it's gonna be a hard 10 years. It, it has been. It actually has been. You don't you don't get this this physique from living easy. I'll tell you. Um, but yeah, that's I think about five times is how many times we've recorded Willie now. And I, I got to be to where like he recognized me. I don't know if he knows my name, but he, he'd be like, hey, you know, like, shake my hand. But it was like, oh, how cool. Uh, you know, after yeah. seeing us a bunch of times. But he was one of the most gracious, humble people to work with. And in fact, I mean, I learned something from him and from lots of artists, but uh, Ruthie Foster is another one. Two things that I would recommend all artists do is always give your best performance. And now, even if there's two people in the crowd, you give your best performance that you can. And then um, the second thing is... Uh, Always be nice to everybody and be a person that someone wants to work with. And I mean, that's the two things you need more than anything, more than talent. I mean, I think that all of the shows like The Voice and all those others, 
And I'm not knocking them. What they do is great, but great singers are a dime a dozen. Willie Nelson today would never get on The Voice. He, yeah, he, he wouldn't even have made it to totally the auditions. Accurate. They just said, I'm sorry, Mr. Nelson, yeah. you're way too nasal. <laughs> or, or Bob Dylan would never be on there. I mean, so it's people forgive those things in the name of style. It's more about who is interesting and stylish and who writes great songs. So that's, that's been our recipe of what we've always looked for. On Texas Music Cafe, I always looked for whatever is least likely to end up on a radio dial, the more likely I was to want to have it on the show. Which, when I met someone like T. Aguilar, I went, this yeah, guy's going to work out This guy's got something. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of similar rule that we lead by whenever we put on a show. It's, it's that. It is that. It's like whoever we're going to put on to a lineup, but it's also, is it a show we would actually want to go to? Yeah, that is our number <laughs> so, one rule is I never rule. want to put on a show that I would not want to attend. Yeah. So it's kind of a way to keep ourselves in check with the, you know, we were talking about the changing since your medium is now YouTube, uh, you've moved from TV to now being able to put out content probably quicker and the limit does not exist of the people that you could reach out to. <clears throat> How do you think that that has changed the way that you produce now and, and create, or do you think that it's kind of held the same? No, it's all, com it's completely different. Every time we did PBS for 15 years or so, and then got sideways with PBS. And that's a long story. I won't go into uh, another time, uh, podcast. But when we, we got off PBS, I went to broadcast television for a while and aired on the Austin music network, which is a 24 hour music channel in Austin. It was started by Michael Nesmith from the monkeys had something oh, to do with it. Really? He was part owner and all that, but, wow. and it changed hands a couple of times, but we tried broadcast TV and every time we've <clears throat> moved it, we've made it different. Each one, each one has its own set of rules. YouTube has been the least restrictive and the, the most accessible. Our big sponsor uh, at the time was Texas state technical college. And I was like, I know they were supporting us and we sold them this deal of we're going to be on TV and we're going to be out, you know, every Saturday you can tune in and check us out. And and I had to go to them and say, hey, this PBS thing is costing more and more money and YouTube is looking better. And they were like, oh, that's fine. I was like, <laughs> really? You're okay with it? And they said, well, we did a survey a while back and like only 14% of our students even own a TV set not being used as a monitor for a computer. So they said, huh. no, that's actually better. It's more accessible. So and I mean, the number of, and then the percentage of those 14% that watch PBS is probably even lower, but the percentage that watches YouTube right. and videos and has social media. Well, no, the audience, our, our audience was, they got old. When they watched our show, they were in their 20s. And then what happened is our audience got old and they're now in their 40s and 50s and they still watch PBS. Yes, a lot of them on TV, but moving to YouTube just really within the last year, I've seen our demographic shift from being 40s and 50s down to like 18 to 25 and 30. So Which is it, the magic age. Yeah, I think it's been a good thing. And, and, and that has affected some of the content that we do. We definitely have booked some things that are more younger leaning for that. Uh, the other thing is we were started out as a 30 minute show, then went to a 60 minute show. Now we're back to like individual videos and ba basically those hour long shows. I've been cutting those up into individual pieces, uh, individual songs, and then reposting them. So because nobody's going to watch 60 minutes. People's you know, attention can, spans are so yeah, short these the days, song. including my own. Shorter than that <laughs> snap I just made. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the current state of the Waco music scene? I think it's the best it's ever been. And y'all have a big part to do with that. And I appreciate everything that you've done. Oh, thanks. Um, it really is. You need one person to every now and then pat you on the back and go, hey, don't give up. 
because someone's listening. And and like, that's like the biggest part of it. And and just, I've been doing that for a long time, but it doesn't matter when the same guy tells you or when you've done it for such a long time that people tend to forget or, okay, well, I played on Texas Music Cafe. Now what? There has to be more than, there has to be lots of opportunities and other things. Yeah, diversify. Um, my opinion of it, it's like I said, Waco has always had great musicians and they've, they're always going to bubble to the surface and find a way to be seen with what they're doing. But in my opinion, wake, and I'm, this is not my quote. I'm stealing this from another dead man, friend of mine, a guy <laughs> named David Tinsley that ran the elite cafe, which is now Magnolia cafe. Oh. Um, he said, Waco is what Austin was. And he was saying that 20 years ago. Wow. He was, uh, and I think he had a lot of vision in that. And I always believed it. I bought into it. It's one of the reasons I stayed here is I believe that Waco could be that. It could be, why not the next, why can't Waco be the next Seattle or the next Austin or the next, you know, whatever scene it is. So I've always believed that. That's one of the reasons I've, you know, I've left a couple times to Austin or California or whatever, but came back and I've always had that belief, um, but I couldn't do it myself for sure. Not myself, I mean, my team even. I get all the credit for Texas Music Cafe because I'm the one constant that's been there for all all these years sure Absolutely. but i did the i've had so many good people that have made it what it is that's not me everything you're seeing i didn't make any of that in fact I, it works better when i don't <laughs> you know i just again it's my talent is finding people that are good at what they do and then giving them a creative space to do it Absolutely. And and that's what I've tried to do with the show. You know, I find a guy that doesn't know that he's good at lighting, but I see he's got a good eye for it. You know, we've had photographers and lighting people and musicians. And I think I, I was trying to do a count in my head. There's somewhere between 200 and 250 artists. And that could be not a non referring to musicians. I'm talking about artists of lighting and sound people and set designers and camera people and audio people that in the last 20 years have come through our doors and have learned and gotten and made their mistakes along the way. I mean, you can look back at our old shows and go, boy, the lighting sucks on this one, you know? <laughs> um, but it's somebody's learning, you know, and it provided a space for a lot of people to learn. I think that's probably been one of the biggest, most beneficial things, more so than the, than the airplay has been the opportunity it provided. That's really cool that you have all of this content to go and look at that you could probably go watch that guy's first show he worked with you on and then his last and just like literally see how much better they were up up to the end. Well, all of it really interesting. It, oh, sure. Yeah, it, absolutely. Uh, iron sharpens iron. So when yeah. you're around people, yeah, they become great better. Cool. They cause, oh, look how good he's doing. I got to, you know, yeah. everybody builds up together. 100%. And you're seeing that, that already with what you're doing is, you know, as you continue, everybody tightens up their skills. and Oh, of course. It, I so. mean, just in the past uh, six, seven months, I mean, our first show and our first open mic, anything. It was cute how anxious and like nervous. Oh my and... gosh. We were so nervous about our first show. I'm nervous about every show. I, I always think that every show is going to be my last. Like everybody's going to get tired of me eventually. But, no. <laughs> no. It's really cool how we go to a Texas Music Cafe show. I mean, it feels like a full production. It feels like a legitimate, cool, like you feel like you're on the, a set and bolts yeah. of the show. And even if you actually have if nobody in that room has any idea what they're what they're doing, which I, I do know that they are, you can't tell. It's just, it feels legitimate. It, it, it is legitimate. I applied for a job at, I won't say where, several years ago. <laughs> I don't want to, I want to protect the innocent, but 
I applied for a job and it was in a production realm. And the guy who was in charge said, we will accept nothing less than a perfect production. And I said, how long have you done production for? And he said, well, about five years now. And I said, I don't mean any disrespect by it, but I said, in 40 years of being involved in production, I've never seen one that was perfect. But I said, it's important that you don't let the audience know imperfections happen. And you do and you roll with them and you do the best you can. That was planned. That light falling. That yeah, was yeah, exactly. yeah, that did that happen. I have this What's scar on my head. Oh, you can feel oh God. God. The, uh, 2K Fresnel hit me wow. in the head. So. Who are some of your favorite current Waco musicians, acts, artists here now? I had help in producing the last show. I'm, I'm trying to train some new folks to do some, take away some of the jobs that I've been doing. Brody Gamble helped produce the one of the last shows. And we normally do three, two to three bands per night. Brody booked 15. <laughs> So it was a, a technological nightmare to try and pull that off. But I, I liked this sounds crazy, but I'm I'm I like everybody. It goes back to that same thing. There's not any group that I can't find. I mean, the diversity is what I appreciate. Like we had Fiona's son, the solo bagpipe right, player, right. which to me was like, that was just awesome. That kid's that a prodigy in everything. Souls extolled in uh, uh, was a band from Austin, Trace of Lime. Trace of Lime was amazing, amazing performance. We won't discuss way beyond the Thunderdome. Oh, God. (laughs) I still have not seen that footage. You Uh, probably never will. (laughs) If I have anything to do with it, I did catch it on my iPhone, but it's still currently sitting on my iPhone. That was that's uh, wildly fair. That was uh, what is um, the girl that works for uh, Texas Music Cafe? uh, Blonde hair, super cool. Are you talking about Lindsay? Yes, Lindsay. She was about ready to tackle one of those kids. It was yeah. Even after I told her, it was like a fake fake. thing. It was a um, bit. I, I mean, it's 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 hard. And I've watched some of them for so long. Someone like Lee Van, Lee Van Wagner is a local guy that plays uh, acoustic folk stuff. He's also extremely versed in the history of the blues. Lee was schooling me 20 years ago, and he's still doing it. I mean, I still learn something every time I watch that guy play, and he's still at it. So guys from a long time ago, the, the, the enthusiasm and the energy of the kids. I love punk rock. I love soul and funk and Tony Calhoun. For example, yes. all, all of these, um, I just feel fortunate to have witnessed them live. It's one thing I hate studio recording. I've done, I did a lot of it and I tried to make a living at it and I did for a long time. But to me, I just love live performance mistakes and all, whatever it is. It's, I love on a recording. I love the squeaks of a guitar. Broken strings. T. Aguilar <laughs> and I had a discussion recently about a piece that I recorded for him live. And it, he's got a lot of, mm, uh, uh, oh, these grunts that he's That's doing. a good T impersonation. <laughs> And he he's like, oh, I don't want to use that. It's too much of that. And I was like, that's what I love about it. I love all the humanness that gets removed from everything else that's on the radio now. So again, going back to like the less likely it is to hear on a radio, I want all that <laughs> in, any, in, in, in all the music. I want authenticity. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want uh, sizzle. Give me the real thing. So I love that. I respect that so much. Uh, what do you think is in store for the Waco music scene in the future? You kind of touched base on that with saying that Waco is what Austin was. So do you foresee us becoming or having the possibility of being known for our music scene? And if I can just add a little thing to that, what sort of uh, pratfalls can we avoid to not having it become to its potential? In all fairness, and this is this is based off of 20 years of watching music scenes live and die in our city and in others um, <clears throat> and, and getting cl- so close to the finish line and having st- stuff fall short. Sure. It takes everybody. Y'all are doing your part. Texas Music Cafe has done its part. I'm doing what I can with it now. 
for example. It's the musicians have to support each other. They have to come to each other's shows. The corporate world who has the money to be able to fund some of these things needs to realize the value of art. Austin was cool because of the music scene. It's the live music capital of the world. But every day, a chunk gets bitten away from that and it becomes bigger, more expensive and more corporate. And if you don't support the arts and this doesn't go for just one company, you know, God bless them. H-E-B has done so much for every art faction in this city. They give to everybody. There's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of banks that do. They're doing above and beyond their share, but it takes everybody in the community. It takes the audience who is a one third of the equation is the audience who has to come see the live music and support it. Part of it is the musicians themselves who need to support each other and then the corporate world of it. And the city itself needs to look at what is being done. There is something happening. Now is the time to get involved in it. Yeah. And at Waco, you can make it a cool place as far as and you can have lots of buildings and apartments and other stuff and fun things to do. But the city and the infrastructure of the town needs to value it. One thing I want to do, I, I was asked to be on the board of MACT this year, Musicians Alliance of Central Texas. It needs more members in a big way. It needs all of the musicians in Waco should be a part of it because there's strength in numbers and they have the ear of the city. There's a couple simple things I'll throw out there. I think there should be at least one parking space on Austin Avenue down at like 6th and 7th in Austin that says musicians only. Oh, yes. And, and anyone goodness. with an MACT <laughs> sticker should park in that spot. And if you've got a gig that night, you've always got a place to park. I played South by Southwest in Austin last year. And guess what? I'm not hauling a bass amp two blocks to go play a gig for free in Austin or anywhere else. I'm dar- I'm not going to do it here either. It's too hard. My back won't do it anymore. I'm too old. I can't handle that. <laughs> that's the type of thing where it's really easy for the city to say, yeah, that's something we can do. Let's stick a sign on the ground or paint it on the spot. Musicians only. Put and, a loading ramp next to it. And a loading ramp. Hopefully, you know, and hopefully non-musicians would respect it and try to leave the space open and realize it's hard enough being a musician. It's hard enough buying the gear. Yep. I'm going to give you one sh- short anecdotal story about that and there's i have other mact stories if you want to hear them go to mact and join it or come to one of their meetings but i had a local surgeon ask my band to come play at their event and i said yeah we're actually available that day and you know what what were you thinking well we thought you'd just like to come play at our party in august outside at the pool and i said well what's it pay oh we weren't planning on paying anybody (laughs) i said excuse me (laughs) no i said wait a minute wait a minute i said look Uh, why? I don't, I'm just curious. I said, why would you think that you don't have to pay the musicians? And and he said, well, because you like what you do. And I went, <laughs> all right. All right. That's fair. I get that. I said, hopefully you like what you do when you've got my chest open. Hopefully you're enjoying what it is that you do or, or whatever, <laughs> whatever field it is the surgeon is in. But my point is, it's not because the guy couldn't afford it, but it, it, it's a perception issue. And he said, well, musicians play for free. And part of that falls back on the musicians as well. But, you know, if you're going to haul $10,000 worth of gear to a party to play outside and sweat to death and then then in August, and I'm sure there's no stage, no cover for the musicians, no water or drinks or anybody taking care of that. You know, you do all that work. And just the idea, the mindset of that, that that should be for free because you enjoy doing it. You know, everybody in my band has the equivalent of at least a master's degree or doctorate in music. Because they've just been doing it so long. They're pros at what they do. They're not going to embarrass you. They're going to show up. They're going to do their job. So, you know, to ask most bands around here might ask anywhere from 200 to $600 to play yep. a gig like that is is really, and for, for this particular individual, would have been nothing. So I took the time to explain it to him instead of getting mad and said, please try to understand. Like, you know, I don't expect to, you know, if you want to do a trade out for like a, a surgery next time I need one, or a, a voucher, <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. 
and but voucher. but the idea uh, of an attorney saying well that's ridiculous i wouldn't i wouldn't go do eight hours of work in the sun yeah. for free for you why would you yeah, expect right. me to do it and so it's it's some education that has to happen yeah absolutely as well. i feel like that's our biggest thing as well at, at keep Wake Loud. like if anyone asks hey can you recommend a band for an event it's not a keep Wake Loud event We're like yeah what are you paying oh well you know we thought maybe exposure no 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 yeah. I mean, you wouldn't expect, I mean, you wouldn't ask a caterer to do their work for free. Nope. You wouldn't ask, you know, any of the other services that are helping you put your event on nobody to donate the tables and the chairs and you know, all the, you would never expect any of them to do their services for free. So it's one thing when you're making an exchange, like you said, a voucher, you're giving something of equal value yep. and, and it, it is agreed upon between the two people that this equals each other, but as exposure, it just doesn't. That, that's half the battle though. Yeah. Uh, in, we have plenty of organizations that, reach out yeah. to us and I understand that sometimes it's not in the budget, but it is a battle. It's an uphill battle. <laughs> so that's part of that same deal. It's, you know, it, it takes some education and just input from all sides and more communication, which y'all have been awesome at doing that and getting people talking to each other. That's what we're doing today. That's what hey, we're doing we're today. We're communicating. Look at this. We're Is mass it? communicating. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Man, you're pulling out all the accents today. You're so good at them. Side gig? The more I drink, the better I'll get. I'll, I'll be Scottish before we're done. Oh man, we'll get you on the phone with Fiona. And now, we interrupt our regularly scheduled podcast for another fireside chat with Tyler Rambo. Someone asked us when we were younger to pinpoint potential defining life moments that would likely be suggestions like SAT scores, the job that we get, or buying a home. But as I look back, none of those define me as a person, how I make decisions, how I interact with others, or how I really got to where I am today. I'm gonna to take all of you on an absurd journey through what I thought were seemingly normal next life steps that as I look back were anything but. And as it turns out, these moments that I gave little to no thought would go on to be the most defining. Enjoy. After I graduated from Hawaii, ended up all over the place, ran around a little bit, found my way in uh, in San Diego. I'd lived there for a couple of years. I was surfing. My mom had passed away years before, and so when my dad called me to tell me that he um, the condition that he had had gotten a lot worse than we had originally anticipated, I didn't hesitate. Told my boss, I'm out of there. I'm leaving. You can keep me if you want, but I'm packing up. I'm hitting the road, taking my surfboards with me and my guitar and a bag, and I'm moving back to Texas. I'd been writing for a little while, and I was coming to terms with leaving a lifestyle that I had developed for myself that was not at all like my Texas roots. It was all about uh, surfing and, and being on the beach and and riding a cruiser around and, and just kind of cutting up with my buddies and playing music. And so out of nowhere, I start writing these country songs and had fallen in love with the idea of coming back to Texas all over again. So I was excited and I pack up and I move back and I drive across the country. I get home and it was the day before Christmas Eve and I had unloaded all of my things, which did not take long. And I'm sitting there in this house by myself and I hit a couple of chords and I felt something and it felt real good. In 15 minutes, I had written a song that I considered to be one of my favorites of all time. It was a song, to put it bluntly, I just called it a song for my father. So I spent the rest of the afternoon practicing this song that I was really excited to share with him and that was going to be his Christmas present. So the next day I played it for him and in front of the family as well. And, and it was the first time that I'd ever seen tears in his eyes. And so I had to look away so that I could get through the song. He would eventually pass a couple years after that and I 
went on some journeys. Needless to say, that was a song that was very important to me. I would play it occasionally at open mics and dive bars and was always kind of struck by older gentlemen that would come up to me after the show and say, I know this sounds really weird, but can I just give you a big hug? And I wish that um, that my kids would say something like that to me. So I knew it resonated. I knew it was important, but it was just one of those songs that I played for myself and, and occasionally for other people if they enjoyed it. That was all I really intended for it. We went on this big trip in September of this year, and on the way back, we had a five-hour flight followed by a five-hour layover and then another flight and then a 13-hour layover. So at the end of it, it ended up being basically 48 hours of straight travel with no real sleep. It was exhausting and, and crossed more than 12 hours of time zones. My dog had been staying with an old friend of mine down in Austin and who had a dog also, and he would keep him for me whenever I'd go out of town for extended periods of time. So I'm in Austin, and I'm, I've just got off the plane, two days of traveling, and I said, hey, man, um, I'm going to pick up the dog. He says, well, why don't you hang out for a little bit? Uh, we're coming back from uh, this pool party, and I want you to meet my buddy. I think you're going to get along great with him. He used to be in a lot of really big bands. We used to write music together. He's a great guy. I want you to meet him. I said, look, dude. I got to get out of here. I'm exhausted. I just want to get the dog. And, and unfortunately, and, and I really appreciate you looking after him for me, but I got to go. And he says, no, just stick around. So I do. They convinced me to stay up. We did a shot of tequila. We started playing music and this song comes up. Well, this guy had a new app on his phone and he recorded it without me knowing. And we listened to it and we all were just shocked at how good the quality was on this thing. And he says, you know, man, I just moved here. And if you, if you like that, I actually brought all of my recording equipment also. I said, well, do you have a job yet? He said, no. I said, well, I've got this thing that, I think that you would really appreciate. It's this thing called Keep Wake Loud. Back in back in Waco, why don't you drive up with me, bring all the recording equipment, and we'll go play a couple of songs together now that we've already practiced. And he said, man, I don't know. You know, Stranger Danger. I said, no, I'm, I'm good. Come up. Let's do it. Let's, uh, you know, let's bring the equipment. So I convinced him the next morning we get up. And we loaded up absolutely everything that we could in, in the truck. And so he brought a piano and we had a banjo and we had the guitars. And it turns out that the whole reason I was there for my dog, we loaded up so much equipment that we didn't have any room for him. So I had to leave him behind. It was terrible. Go up to Waco, play a couple songs together that night and, and inspiration had hit. And so we said, all right, let's, uh, let's create this little mini recording studio in the house. And, and so we, we got to work. And of course, the first song that I could think of with no real intention of putting this out into the world necessarily, but just for the sake of the creative act it had to be the song for my father and so that's the one that we did and it was a really wonderful experience because he was coming at it from a technical standpoint this is a guy that was very well versed that was very professional and 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 had gone through this many times over and he said this is the way that you got to do it and i said the only thing that i think that works for my songs is the fact that it resonates and if you're going to make me do it from a technical standpoint that's not going to work and i don't think that that's going to carry over into you know the sound and the way the finished product is going to be and so we clashed i mean we just absolutely clashed and and i said look I'm going to try it your way, but you're going to hear it. And so we would do it and he would say, okay, you're right. Let's do it this way. And so all night long where he was very clear that from a musical standpoint, you know, I didn't know much past a couple of chords, but could hear things. And so we just would go back and forth and it was a brutal evening, but it was wonderful. And it turns out we were able to add a lot to it back and forth. And from his standpoint and what the equipment could do and me pushing him, we just, anything that we could find that made noise, we put it on the track and stomped around on the floors for percussion and seven in the morning. 
this thing's finally done, sun's coming up, thought back on this question that had been posed to me by a very dear friend of mine who asked the last time that I had been emotional enough to cry. And I said, you know, I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't, it's not a, it's not a masculine thing. It's just, I don't, I don't get that emotional. Uh, I don't cry a lot. What do you mean? When's the last time? I said, well, the last time would have been two years ago, I guess, you know, whenever my father passed away, that would have been the last time that I think that I cried that I can remember. Seven o'clock rolls around in the morning and we mastered this thing and, and put it up on the speakers, opened up all the windows. We sat on my front porch. Sun's coming up. I hear this song for the first time with accompaniment with other musicians and felt something that I hadn't felt in a while and just wept. It was a beautiful moment. It was a wonderful song and I was really glad that I did it. It was, it was life changing. And now back to our show. And now we're moving on to a segment we like to call Unqualified Life Advice from Keep Waco Loud. An Unqualified Life Advice is exactly what it sounds like. We have polled our followers on Instagram and they sent us questions that they would like us to help them solve. I do want to say that we are not licensed therapists and are completely no, unqualified to give life advice. You don't even uh, play them on TV. So I would I would not recommend, I don't know if I would say I would recommend taking the advice. I guess we'll see what happens. Are you ready, Chris? Of course. Oh, yes. I'm really excited. On Instagram, GoPatGirl11 asks, what do you do if you love your job but hate your coworkers? Hmm. Can I take the first crack at this one? Yeah, Please. absolutely. Well, as someone that works from home in, in uh, for my real life job, I am surrounded by some coworkers that I do hate. Also, my wife works from home, but I love her. <laughs> but we do have some... She sounds awful. <laughs> We do have some uh, co-workers that I hate. Uh, their fur gets everywhere. They're jumping on my lap in the middle of the day. One barks. Don't so talk about pamplinus like that. What I like to do is just uh, put her outside, uh, one of the co-workers, and let her run around, get her energy out, and then I'll let her back in, and it's normally okay. So hopefully that's helpful. You know... <laughs> All right, I'm going to take this seriously. <laughs> and I'm going to say that my favorite thing is always when dealing with an unpleasant situation is the sandwich method. The first part of any interaction with this person, you you compliment them. You give them something positive. You know, I really like how you uh, answered really quickly on that email, Cheryl. However, if you could please refrain from using six ellipses after every single sentence where it sounds like you're talking like this every time... <laughs> You reply to my email. That that would be great. That would be great. But otherwise, you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much. That casserole at the last potluck was great. Love the Comic Sans. Yeah, I love the Comic Sans. It really spices up the email. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like you just kind of got to, you sandwich in the, the negatives. And maybe eventually they'll get the point. Kill yeah. them with kindness. Kill them yeah. with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Anytime that you lump. Uh, compliments and the the best thing you can do to a person that you can feel vibes of hate coming at you <laughs> is love them and they'll they'll either turn and run or they'll change is that what Ooh. you do for us chris you hate us no uh, i love everybody actually Aww. even the ones you hate i love it all righty so the next question actually comes from fish hands music and for those guy. of you who don't know, Fish Hands actually wrote our uh, intro music. So Ooh. check him out on Bandcamp. Uh, he, this is actually music related, so he stayed on topic. How important is merch for an independent artist? As a musician myself who's played in various bands, been on a couple tours, that merch very much paid for our gas. It, uh, it, I mean, it's everything really when you're on the road. And also it's everything uh, when you're at a show and maybe not a whole lot of people show up. It, it just supplements. 
supplements the money that you make. And it's also it just gets your name out there. So I think it's very, very important. It is. It's it's advertising in places you can't be. Yeah, so a t-shirt, uh, my Keep Waco Loud t-shirt, that's all blingy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's working when I'm in a place that you can't be at that given time. So yeah, that's, I think as an advertising medium, it's great. It's also uh, for supplemental, but test market it first to make sure people like it before you spend a thousand dollars on a bunch of t-shirts that no one can buy. <laughs> Like, and then uh, you're stuck with them for it. That is very, really good advice. Good budgeting advice as well. Very good budgeting advice. Sound <laughs> budgeting advice. Yeah. Um, Keep Wake Aloud, one of the first things we did was order merch. Um, and that was one of our biggest branding pushes, trying to get our name out there. And if we could get our logo out on people's bodies out in the wild, I mean, it catches your eye. And it's like the first thing you say is, what is Keep Wake Aloud? And most of the time people can't answer that. But, you know, it's fine. You at least got the branding out there. And the more you see it, the more. Uh, people, it'll stick in your brain, hopefully. <laughs> Keep it go loud. Sticks in your brain. <laughs> That's our new catchphrase. Cole in the 05, he wants to know, do you have any tricks for getting your life together? So I guess Cole lives in Bell Mead. Mm. Cole in the 05. 05, is that? Uh, I think that's that Bell Mead. That's Bell Mead, yeah. That's that is. 7, 6, yeah. I think Bell Mead's probably oh, got some character. Great places in the 05. Yeah. yeah the Timbercrest neighborhood, it's got Buena Vista Park. They stock it with trout every year. Ooh. Yeah, you get Ooh. trout fishing there in October. Is that okay. a place with a really good uh, soup in Bellmead? Or is that Lacey Lakeview? No. Oh, that's Lacey Lakeview, just uh, off the highway. Close enough. That's still the 05, I think. Yeah, oh, I think you're right. I sure. think you're right. And also the 05 has Cole, and he wants to know, do you have any tricks for getting your life together? Well, man, that's such a great question, Cole in the 05. <laughs> I would say if you were a magician, the best trick would be to perform your tricks. That way you can make money and then build up your credit score. But I'm guessing that you're not a magician. So I would say- a weird start... assumption. <laughs> <laughs> I would say start with a, a budget. That's uh, That really changed my life. Also, meet a fantastic woman that gets you to get off your butt and get your act together. That's really- <laughs> That helps. Yeah, that sure. definitely helps. Or man, we don't judge. Or, hey, I no would say uh, Mark Twain said, swallow the frog, which means do the thing that you least want to do that needs to be done. Do it first. Ooh. So get it out of the way. Oh, do the yeah. thing that you that you really don't want to do that you're going to avoid all day and knock it out first. And then the rest of the day you had to focus on stuff. So it's called swallowing the frog. I'm not going like to lie. That. I need that advice <clears throat> to swallow yeah, the frog. Same. Very good. Yeah. All right, Cole. Well, I hope you take that advice to heart. Maybe you uh, become a magician. That's my... <laughs> Maybe come Maybe if become we could just a clean that up and magician. post Mike. I'll book well, I you. Talked about the magician aspect. He could he could perform magic at one of our shows. <laughs> I'd be into that. You know, Good, nice halftime show. Yeah, that'd you, be great. Texas we, Music Cafe. We'd love to have you. I'm, I'm doing this because we legitimately want magicians to come to the open mic. I've night. been begging for one to come <laughs> to our sakes. open mic for so long, like offering to Cole, buy the wine. Cole, uh, as an aspiring magician. <laughs> If you could get in contact with any of your magician friends, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. So I'm I'm actually really jealous of this next person's uh, Instagram handle because, and they probably could sell it for a a, a nice sizable or at least a couple hundred bucks. Uh, I, I I'm I'm very impressed that they got this. Uh, so first advice is put your Instagram handle on the market because somebody will buy this. Because at Waco.Texas asked, how do I get a job without having to remove my Tony Romo face tattoo? Hmm. So my first advice is going to be like, you don't need a job. You could sell that Instagram handle. But uh, also, Jacob, as some, as somebody who is Tony Romo's best friend. Yes, me and Tony are tight. The thieves. I would say you don't need to do anything with that Tony Romo face tattoo. You can just come work at uh, Keep Waco Loud. We have no uh, money. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm being told we are not hiring at the moment. <laughs> 
Uh, Chris, what about you? I'm thinking just add a P to the front of it so it says promo, and then oh, and then and then advertise the rest of the space or other advertising. I love it. And it could all be Tony themed promos. Just a tweak. Just Tony Romas. Dial it up a little bit. Yeah. What's some other famous Tonys? Tony the Tiger. Mm-hmm. He's good. Tony Danza. <laughs> Tony Danza's great too. I'm so, also going to say that Jacob is not Tony Romo's best friend, so please don't call us Tony. Or actually call us. You could call us. That's yeah, fine. No, please I miss call you. Tony. Come back. Let's I'm, plug that band, the okay. Dirty Echoes. Yeah, yeah, really. I'd kind of like to, I mean, yeah, that's, I'm still, I figure I got another good five years in me of that. Yeah. And, um, I think another 50. <laughs> no one wants to see that. Do you have any shows coming up? Oh, actually I do. I got one on February 9th. Okay. Uh, Dirty Echoes is the band that I play in. There, it's actually the crew members from Texas Music Cafe as well. I've known the guys 20 years and we uh, uh, do all original rock and roll. Some people say it sounds like the Beatles or XTC. Or I agree. Something along those power pop lines. We got signed to a record label out of Austin last year called Steady Boy Records. Mm. And they have a bunch of other old dead guys on it, like guys like me. Uh <laughs> Anyway, they um, Steady Boy uh, were doing like a little Steady Boy showcase. The president of the record label is a guy named Freddie Kirch, and he's in the Texas Music Hall of Fame as a songwriter and a musician, drummer. He was drummer for Jerry Jeff Walker for a long time. And wow. He's produced a lot of records for people and all that. Anyway, he's he's going to play the show uh, with his group. I think it's just Freddie Kirch. I'm not sure what incarnation, because he's got three or four different bands that he performs under on February 9th at Nexus. And my band, um, Dirty Echoes, will be opening for them. So that's, that's the next thing we got coming up. And I'm, I'm really trying to get back into playing more and doing less TV production stuff. I'm really trying to let go of the reins a little bit. I think there's not anybody that's going to say, geez, Chris, you just didn't try hard enough. You know, <laughs> you know, my goal was never to be famous with it or even rich, just to do it because it needed doing. And there are, are several great young people in the city that want it, to see it continue and want to help. So I'm just trying to pass on what I know to them so that they can continue it. And I don't know what my role will be in that at this point. Maybe just janitor, you know, <laughs> maybe just clean up or, or sell ads. Oh, metaphorical janitor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all, it's always the part I enjoyed. The best part of Texas Music Cafe for me was the relationships, the people that I got to meet and know or mentor or be a, either a good or a bad influence to in either <laughs> case. But that part of it is the most meaningful. I mean, We've done some amazing things, or artists we've worked with, but along the way, the most important parts are those guys in my band are my best friends. They've watched me grow up. I made all my parenting mistakes on them. So, um, <laughs> but it's been uh, better than know. in your actual children. Yeah, true, true. I practiced, I practiced on them, but that's definitely been the best part. And uh, it's getting to play in a band with them is great. And that's, I hope to do more of that and less of the TV side stuff you know, over the next five years or so I'm just taking foot off that gas and putting it on another one so. I'm really excited to see what Texas Music Cafe has in the future and you're surrounded by such awesome people and and I think it's going to live up to your legacy you're going to always I think you're always I think you're kind of and, and this is as most artists are you're critical you know what I mean and you're never going to let it become lesser than what it <laughs> well, should it's probably be. only because we were terrible at logging some of the tapes and it's like no one knows what it is until <laughs> I look at it and go oh yeah that was in Big Ben we were down on the river shooting Albert and Gage or whatever it is. No one will remember when I'm dead. 
unless you were on the shoot, you probably won't know what half of it is. So right now I'm still critical for that reason. Otherwise, like I said, I, I do as little as possible on a show night and let other people do what they do. But, that's, um, that's my favorite thing to do too. Yeah, watch it, <laughs> just watch it happen. Just watch it happen. I do all the front work. You, and- as you know, absolutely. All the hard work in any production happens before the show absolutely. and after the show. Yep. Uh, what happens the night of, if you've done a good job, it's, it should flow. If it's okay with you, could we play uh, Dirty Echoes? Absolutely. Song? Yeah, okay. yeah. Let's do, uh, let's do Leading Me. Okay. Okay. Uh, leading me, it's a really short radio-friendly song, and it's a it's ha- it's a happy tune for sure. So. Yeah, do you want to touch on uh, what Leading Me is about and how you guys came to write that one? This is off of our second record uh, called Fake Town. And it was really, all the songs on Fake Town were kind of written together in the studio. The first record was just all us bringing in our own tunes. This one really sounds like what we sound like because we wrote it together and, you know, in practice, most of it. And uh, Leading Me is just a, a happy song that is about um, life, you know, about living life to the fullest and having fun doing it. It's what rock and roll should be about, right? Oh, 100%. 
if you're not having fun playing rock and roll, then you're doing something wrong or you're doing it for the wrong reason. <laughs> Tell me, where did Dirty Echoes come from? One of my television production jobs was working for the Dwyer Group. My boss was a guy named Greg Jurels. Uh, his former, he used to work at NASA, so he's really smart. Uh, he now teaches at Baylor and he's a genius of a guy and a super nice guy. And I was complaining about playing with my brothers and how we, all we ever do is drink and fight. And, uh, <laughs> and and he said, well, you should start a new band and call it Dirty Echoes. And I have no idea where he got that from. He just said that. And I Googled it and there was no one named Dirty Echoes. And I said, okay. So the first time I got together with new guys to play outside of my brothers with this new band, we didn't even think about it, didn't talk about it. And it wasn't until we got our first gig, they said, oh, what are you called? I went, uh, I guess we're called Dirty Echoes. So it's not, you know, it has no deep meaning to it by any means. It's just, it, it was there and no one had taken it. So, well, so I don't know. I think that kind of does have deep meaning. Maybe. The context yeah. of it. No, I uh, love it. It's actually uh, a really cool story. Uh, let's see. The next album is either going to be Dirtier Than Thou as uh, a title, or maybe <laughs> Pawn Shops and Pea Stops is another one we're kicking around. Pawn Shops was, and Pea Stops. Yeah, that's our, that's our last tour, description of our last tour. Pawn oh. shops and pee stops. Yeah. Did you play at pawn shops? And or did you have stops? to visit no. various oh, you just visited musical them. equipment? I can't pass a pawn shop. So I just wanted to say thank you, a huge thank you to Jacob and Katie and to Keep Wake Loud. You guys have really, uh, as a team, uh, which is a great example for other husbands and wives to see y'all do what you do together. I'm sure it's not easy, but it is appreciated. And in my time, 22 years in doing this, I've encountered a lot of great people, but y'all have made more impact in less amount of time than just about anybody that I've seen in this city and I'm thankful and grateful to everything that you're doing and it gives so many musicians hope that you're probably not even aware of. Uh, I hope that you continue to do that for the next 20 or 25 years yourself and you can look back on it and, and be proud of the work that you've done and just want to say thanks for doing that. I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you wow. so much, Chris. Thank Dude, you, man. It made me cry. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank and you. and again, I, I look forward to the Waco scene growing and it you laid the foundation, man. Choosing to stick here in Waco and stick with Waco is what is going to keep this city growing because uh, Waco is what Austin was, Amen. correct? <laughs> That's uh sounds like we got the title for this one. Yes. Echo is what Austin was. I want to thank you so much for coming in uh, and sitting down with us today. I really, really appreciate every interaction we have. Number one, I learn more every time we... Yeah, we it's, also, it's an education. It really is. I mean, we're so new in the scene and, and I've said it before. I, I'm, I'm so honored to even get to work with you, help you book shows every once in a while. I mean, the fact that you even just sit down and talk to us is, is a huge honor. So thank, thank you. you so much. Same. You're like sweethearts and I I would do anything I can to help you. Absolutely. Appreciate that, Chris. Keep Wake Loud, the podcast is produced by Oni Chan Productions. Our theme music is by Fish Hands. If you like what you hear, you should check them out on Bandcamp. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really like us, give us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or check out our website where you can buy merch or even see some local events coming up. Thanks again for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by a random Craigslist ad that I found one time by the corner shoppy. They have hides of all kinds. We have hundreds of hides in stock to choose from from over 250 cow hides. You will not believe the selection and the prices. We have buffalo hides, zebra, cow hide, apaca, axis, whitetail, mule deer, goat, sheep, calf, fallow, wildebeest, hartebeest, brown bear, grizzly bear, black bear, reindeer, caribou, African lion, angora goat. We also have the white cow hides. They're the most popular with the interior decorators. We also have the round cow hide rugs with stars and longhorn emblem on them. Too many to mention all of them. We have several moose, elk, buffaloes, longhorn, whitetail, glor, exotic and African, sables and lions, bears, rug mount, skull, antler, you name it. Many boon and crockets as well as just cheap wall hangers, man cave stuff too. Family owned, family run, family fun. Fun for all ages. We have just acquired items from several estates. 
states that are now available to the public. Taxidermy over 500 mounts, thousands of antlers, skulls, exotics, southwest blankets, rugs, furniture, Native American jewelry of all sorts, earrings to bracelets, rings, necklaces, bellows, you name it. Antler, tables, lamps, chandeliers, arrowheads, knives, swords, machetes, metal art, stars, etc. Pictures, Texas theme items, even hat pins, cowboy boots, hats from cowboys, sombreros, western items galore, lots of pictures, flags, Mexican dresses, ponchos, Baja jackets, even Day of the Dead art. You've never seen a store like this. We have a great selection of taxidermy novelty items. Everything from fishing and hunting squirrels to raccoons that are canoeing or eating peanut butter, cracker jacks, armadillos. We have over 600 taxidermy mount. Great place to bring your friends and hang out. I promise you've never seen a store like ours. A real family atmosphere. We do appreciate you coming by just to see us. We also ship family owned, family run, family fun. The Corner Shoppy. This has been a Rogue Media Network podcast.